Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with two-time Super Bowl winner Carl Banks and the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Poppel, along with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. And uh, Carl, you know, a little Monday night hangover. Giants, they didn't win the football game. But we knew that coming into this season, it's not going to be perfect. And there's going to be games that they could possibly win that they don't win. And then they could steal some games, which I think to me is already sure. showing progress compared to the past. Yeah, and look, the, the reality of, of Giants fans is you, you you walked into the season with a new regime and you were expecting improvement. You were expecting a change in the way things are operating. You win your first two games. That reality doesn't change. <clears throat> there are some very obvious and blatant known factors. They don't have the most talented roster. Uh, they have saddled with a lot of salaries. They're, they're rebuilding this thing. They're not renovating it. They're not a player away. They're not this season away from being a contender in the NFL. They are building for the future. They're field building for next year, but that does not mean that progress is not expected. And I think we're seeing some progress, but look, you know, there are things out there that you see there, 10 men on goal line. That's that's something they got to get corrected. Uh, two games ago, they had um, on two special teams plays, 10 men on the field. So that is a, a uh, that's a coaching thing. It's a player thing. That's got to get better as well. So, um, but let, let's be realistic. Enjoy it. Uh, fans, when you are <clears throat> two and one, um, the sky's not falling because you lost to the Dallas Cowboys. It may be falling because of how you lost. Your quarterback got beat up a lot. Uh, you don't have a wide receiver that can get open, uh, that can win. Uh, I suspect that they'll and, and they'll get this offensive line situation squared away. Look, Evan Neal got baptized in fire. You know, he drew the Micah Parsons, the Marcus Lawrence card all day. Right. Um, he's not going to see that every week. And uh, his past should be an indication of his future, meaning his first two games were solid and getting better each one. Then he drew a bad straw, you know, and then the Giants also have some weaknesses on the interior of their offensive line, too, that they've got to continue uh, to work to get better at. All right, Carl. Um how does when the Cowboys have third and goal at the one, I mean, you played a long mm -hmm. time. How do you only have 10 men on the field? Is that, is that um, just a miscommunication with players of who's got to be out there or what? I mean, because that seems to me like you're in goal line and you're thinking, all right, there's a good chance Zeke is going to run it here. Yeah. Um, so is that just staff players? Just it's all the above. Like, as the ball crosses the 35-yard line, there are coaches, assistant coaches, that are calling personnel. Once that ball gets to the 10-yard line, if you are a goal line on any goal line personnel group, you should be standing next to the coach. 
ready to go in. There, there should be no ambiguity. Like somebody had to come off the field in that situation. You got to know that you replaced that guy. So uh, they, they're calling personnel groups as the ball um, progresses down the field. Coaches are calling person. They have a person on the sideline that's calling personnel, calling personnel. Players have got to stay in the game too. But uh, that's as much coaching as it is players, right? So when they're calling personnel groups, those guys should be standing next to the coaches, especially when that ball gets to the 10-yard line. Those, if you play any personnel group on goal line, you should be standing right at the edge of that box, ready to run onto the field. You know, it's, it's worse to have 10 guys than to have 12 guys on the field. You know, 10 guys on the field, somebody's not paying attention. You know, and... Right, 12, 12 guys on the field means... Uh, everybody's right, paying attention. I thought, half yard off on you. Yeah, but, like, if you got 12 guys on the field, that means everybody was paying attention that somebody just didn't get the... But, but they all wanted to get in. 10 men on the field, nobody's paying attention. Or somebody's not paying attention because... You know it's goal line. You should be running out there and tell the coach, unless the coach says, get back over here, we got our group out there already. Yeah, it's uh, it was tough. And the, the other thing, like watching the Thursday night football game, Carl, and watching uh, some of the other games, you know, when you think about this roster, I mean, the Giants receiving core is just, compared to some of these other teams, it's just really lacking. And now with Sterling Shepard gone, you know, Wanda Robinson is going to have to put on his big boy pants at some point here. I mean, he's been banged up. I mean, you know, hopefully he's going to be able to build off some of the momentum that he had during training camp where he was picking up the system and everything because they're going to need him now because they're not getting sure this whole thing about Kadarius Tony. And I hear people keep saying, man, you know, once Kadarius Tony gets healthy, we don't know when that's going to be. Let me just say this. Fans, he's not here. If he's not practicing, he's not playing, don't count on him for anything. Anything. Like, and this is no disrespect to the kid. When you get healthy, get healthy. So, Bob, Kadarius Tony, for all those fans holding out hope, he's not here. He's not here until he's on the field. No disrespect to the kid, but he's injured, he's not available. Stop saying when he comes back. Assume he's not coming back until he shows up. Until he shows up, plays a full game, follows that up with another full game. Right now, he's not on your team. He wears a uniform when he's out there. He's not available. So let's talk about the guys who are available. And that is what puts, puts so much stress on this coaching staff because when you don't have receivers that can separate, Bob, you've got to scheme everything. Everything is scheme, uh, it's schematics, it's blocking schematics, it's timing schematics. You got to factor in so many things because you don't have a guy who can just flat out win. Now, I will say this. Darius Slayton is starting to get back on the field. He is a player who can separate. Let's see how that happens. When he separates, he's better catch the football too. But um, Wondell Robinson will be back. There's no doubt in my mind with him. 
Um, and he'll come back. He, he, he had on big boy pants from the day he walked through the door, but he's not there until he's back. Kadarius Tony, assume he's not. That's all I can tell you. And I, I'm, I'm not disrespecting the kid, but he's just inconsistently unavailable, inexplicably yeah. unavailable. Yeah, and that's that's you know availability is one of the most important traits of a player of any NFL player uh, when you only play sixteen now seventeen games in a season. Right, but these players... I want to make an apology for something I said on the radio post game show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> look, the Giants missed Leonard Williams on Monday night. There's no no doubt about that, right? They missed the guy. He's one of their best defensive players, <clears throat> but I think some of the interior defensive linemen played a little bit better than I gave him credit to. And when I looked at the coaches tape a little bit, um, they did enough to clear the way for some of the linebackers to make plays. That area has to get better. You know, I said on the post game show, I kind of laid out some of the defensive front guys. And then when I went back and I watched it, um, because someone alerted it to me, they're like, you know, I heard your post game show and you might've been a little bit critical on some of the backup defensive linemen. Um, there were plays to be made that weren't made. Yeah, well, uh, you saw one even with nine guys on the field. Goal line, Tay Crowder. Guys, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, with 10 guys on the field. Tay Crowder goes to make, uh, tries to blow a guy up on the goal line, Zeke Elliott, and basically knocks him into the end zone. Um, your second level defenders, your linebackers, again, manage expectations, right? But the reality is this, be the best at which you are within your ability. And I say that, and I said it on our post-game show, Bob, that the ceiling for Tay Crowder is not super high, but he better be on his tiptoes every Sunday trying to touch that ceiling. Because when he plays well, he's been inconsistent, but let's, let's just, wherever he was drafted, he's an NFL player now. Yeah, it doesn't now, matter now. Now it doesn't right. matter. Right. So whatever your ceiling is, touch that SOB as much as possible. Jump as high as you can to make sure you're touching your ceiling every Sunday because you don't have margin for error. You know, so be what they need you to be. Tackle the guys uh, and and not go for the big hit. But again, this goes back to uh, our opening here when I said, there's there's not a lot of talent on this roster. And the reason you know there's not a lot of talent on this roster, and I'll keep saying it, is that if your special teams are average or below average, that Death means no. that, you, that your starters are probably average. or Because some of the guys that are starting would probably be great special teams players, <laughs> right. right? So the better your frontline guys are, it's normally the better your special teams players are. It, all right, so now just, let's just how it goes. All right, now let's spin forward to Sunday. Giants take on the Chicago Bears for in a scheduling quirk. This is the fifth straight year that these teams are going to be playing. The Giants have lost the last three in Chicago um, against some bad Bears teams. The last time they beat them was an overtime win at MetLife Stadium in 2018. So I look at this game and I say to myself. Okay, the Bears were born in 1920. The Giants were born in 1925. Two old franchises. 
what was important in 1920 and 1925 is going to determine this game on Sunday. Whoever wins in the trenches. Yeah. The Giants last week didn't stop the run. The Bears are 30th against the run. And the Bears run the crap out of the football. I mean, they are averaging 187 yards rushing per game. I mean, they run the rock. So whoever wins up front, to me, wins this game. This is not going to be – the Bear. do you realize the Bears' leading, leading receiver is the running back with five catches? The next guy has four. They've only thrown 45 passes so far, Carl, through the first three weeks, which is the lowest since the 82 Patriots had 84 attempts. They're only averaging 75 yards passing a game. It is all about the run, isn't it? Well, it is until their quarterback gets better. And I think each week they're going to continue to open it up for him. Um, there are some things you see in his progressions where his patience isn't there or his ability to decipher uh, clusters in the middle of the field is not there. But to his credit, he has a pretty good instincts to escape and, and get away from defenders if it's not there. And he contributes to those rushing yards. So you're 100% right. Who controls the trenches? Now, with the Giants controlling the trenches also means protecting your quarterback so that you can pass the ball. The Giants will pass the football. Um, now, they have, a, they have a really good safety. They've got a really good linebacker in Smith. Uh, they got a really good pass rusher. They're an NFL team. Just put it that way. Right? They're two so and you, one. One of right. these teams is going to be three and one right. through the first four games of the season. Right. So you've got to account for those players. Uh, and I'm sure in Chicago, our counterparts at, at Believe are probably saying the same thing we're saying about the Giants team. You know, that, you know, they can't protect their quarterback. You just got to control the, the trenches and, and contain Saquon Barkley because they don't have a wide receiver that could get open. Right. So um, it does come down to the trenches. It's going to come down to execution. And, and to be honest with you, uh, Justin Fields is their wild card, right? If he doesn't feel comfortable passing the ball, he's really comfortable running it, and he knows how to escape. So they've got to keep him bottled in and maybe force him to be a passer. Conversely, the Giants in this game have the better quarterback. Daniel Jones has a better resume. He's, uh, he's a more complete quarterback. Played a heck of a game the other day. Carl, um, this is also the legacy game. Right. I mean, you got the Giants and Bears. They've they've met uh, six times for the NFL championship with the Giants winning in 1956 and 1934. The sneakers game uh, Two playoff meetings. You were at the game in 85 when the Bears beat you in the NFC championship Giants uh, in 1990. You guys returned the favor to Mike Ditka and beat him up at Giants Stadium uh, in route to winning your second Super Bowl. But this game is going to have a different look. And I know you've been heavily involved in the legacy look that the players are going to be wearing on Sunday for the Giants. Well, yeah, involved at, at two levels, being a part of that legacy, building um, what we know is Giants football. I've been a part of uh, the winning tradition of Giants football. And, um, and in doing so, we wore, you, you know, different uniforms than what they're wearing today. So, the Giants reached out to me, Pete Guelli, uh, and the marketing team and says, listen, 
do you have any of the old <clears throat> starter gear that the team wore? I was like, I got, I got the uh, Parcel sweater. I have the locker room t-shirt. I have the red jacket that Bill Belichick wore. And I have the white windbreaker that uh, Parcells wore uh, during training camp and during hot days. They're like, well, can you, can you reissue those to um, bring back the complete story for this legacy game? Because we're painting the end zones. The players are wearing the old uniforms. We want to do a limited edition of that legacy collection. So I went back and we recreated everything. The product went on sale this week. The red jacket sold out in two hours. Um, and also for folks, if you, you, if you weren't able to get that jacket, um, we're going to restock it at some point and hopefully everybody can get it, but all the product is available at, uh, shop.giants.com, which is fanatics. And you just type in giants legacy and you'll see it. But, um, a lot of the product is selling out. The parcel sweater is a big hit. The, the locker room t-shirt, you'll see that on all of our post-game interviews. Uh, you'll see all the guys wearing that t-shirt. So we're going to put some of those pictures up and let you guys see it. But it's shop.giants.com. So did you, uh, have you sent a new red jacket to Belichick? And have you sent Parcells a sweater yet? I have not sent the jacket to Belichick. Uh, we know how much I, he loves the Giants. Yes, and Parcells will be at the game, I believe, so I'm going to make sure I hand carry him a sweater. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's also interesting, right, because for years, based on age, uh, you know, I would say the, the Giant fan that was in his 50s when you guys were winning – they were, you know, into it. Their kids are into it, mm -hmm. but they, 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 they longed for the old, the, the Sam Huff, Frank Gifford uniforms. Mm -hmm. You know, they would always say that's the real Giants uniform because they went, the Giants went through some bad phases, like in the seventies where they had like the blue pants and stuff. They had some bad looks going right. and the, the, the end the the fancy and what, like there was some bad things going on in the seventies. Uh, they tried to disco the uniform, I think. Then they went to the uniform you were wearing, but the old giant fan, they pined for the NY and, and the, the look, the red numbers on mm -hmm. the road. Mm -hmm. But now it's interesting because the guy, the fans who are now in that age group in their fifties grew up with you and they, that's the uniform of their youth or their, right. So it, it really connects with the uh, a fan base right now. That's, you know, that that's the vibrant fan base. Well, that's it's an emotional connection. The vibrant paying fan base, I should uh, say. Yeah. But it's it's an emotional connection that, that fans have with their team. And especially when you're a part of that fan base or you grew up with a team that was winning and it gave you Super Bowls and they were dominant. And you look in the stands during that period, everybody wore starter jacket something starter was on because starter was on every every sideline in the nfl but they just they they love the team now you see more jerseys right back then they weren't jerseys weren't as popular as the apparel um but like those jackets are great memories right those 
you look on the sideline and you say, boy, that was Parcells' sweater, that was the jacket. And that's what's, that's the fashion that sold at retail, but it was also uh, those jackets, true story, those jackets, we would try to steal them out of the equipment case and take them <laughs> home with us because like that red jacket was not readily available Nothing at, at retail. Like that Belichick jacket, Bel <clears throat> Belichick had that red jacket. I think Strider gave the team probably 15 of them, 20 of them. But he was the only one that wore it because the communication on the sidelines were not like it is today <clears throat> where, you know, you can call it into a helmet or whatever. So in chaos, you just had to look for the guy wearing the red jacket during the game. And that's the guy who was calling the signal. We used to try to steal that jacket, that one in the white jacket, because they weren't at retail. The blue ones at retail a lot. Yeah. And if you if you grew up as a kid in the 70s, like I did um, and you, the only way to get gear was the Sears Christmas catalog. And in exactly. the back, they had in the back, they had these little jerseys that were replicas. They weren't even the real thing. Um, or uh, or so Jerry Cosby. At Madison Square Garden, if you lived in New York. Oh, yeah, but they were too expensive. I yeah. when dad would take me to a Nick or Rangers game and I'd see an authentic Nick yeah. jersey or Rangers jersey. And at that time, they were like a hundred bucks. And that was that might have been that was easily like a thousand dollars. Exactly. All right, so let's get back to the game quickly before we wrap up. Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the first half of a game since the Chargers game last year. That's seven straight games in which they have not scored a touchdown. In the first half, not quarter. That's something that's got to change. The other thing that has to change, Carl, is this. When you talk about a depleted roster as far as talent level is concerned, the Giants do not have an interception. They've only turned the other team over three times. But two of them were on special teams. Mm -hmm. You know, one was the kickoff return against Carolina, the forced fumble. One was the muff punt. But the defense is only forced and recovered one fumble. They've got to be better taking the ball away to give their offense some more swings at the plate. Sure. Um, here's the thing. Defensively, I think those turnovers, they come in bunches normally. I, I, they have too many key good players at key positions. You know, your two safeties, um, your defensive linemen, you got uh, Aziz and Kayvon coming back. So I think those things are going to happen. <clears throat> But when you say giving your offense more swings at the plate, that's the problem. You know, you could you could have a lot of swings at the plate and still strike out. The, the, the issue here, <clears throat> and I was talking to Coach Dable about it, and this, this is not a giant philosophy, but it's an NFL philosophy. The longer your drives are, the more likely something negative will happen, meaning so if you, it, it, field position is always important. But if you start the ball, and let's say the five-yard line, right? Special teams. You start the ball at the five-yard line. And you get it to the 30 or the 45-yard line. But it took you 17, 18 plays to get there. That means Something's you don't. go wrong. It also means that you don't have a home run hitter. Like, you're just hitting base hits. You know, you're standing on the right. field. But it, it, it means that you don't have a big play. So you're running all of these plays. And normally, these big drives, first, you know, any touchdown drive, 
normally results is a result of some field position changing play. And if it's if it's Saquon Barkley, yeah, he can flip the field for you. But if you got to go down the field for 10 to 12 plays and you're only at the 45 yard line, then that you're gonna be it's gonna be hard to get in the end zone. That's why they're kicking field goals. You look at how they are getting down the field, there are no big plays involved. I would I would pretty much assure you if you look at the Giants opening drives, their scoring drives. There's not a big play in there, probably over 10 yards. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, Carl. The Giants have three runs this year of over 20 yards. Barkley has all three of them. Mm -hmm. 68 yarder set up a score, the 36 yard touchdown run, and the 33 yarder in Tennessee uh, set up scores for the Giants. Okay. Uh, they have one pass play of over 30 yards. That was Shepard's 65 mm -hmm. yard touchdown catch. Conversely, they've only allowed one pass play of over 30 yards. Uh, so you're right. And it's even like when you're going against the explosive teams, what's the, always the mindset let's force them to run a lot of plays. They're going to get impatient. Yeah. They're going to get impatient. Eventually they're going to make a mistake. And until the giants can figure out a way to get some chunk plays, you're hundred percent, right. It's going to get bogged down. And that's where special teams, not winning in special teams or not Bill making position. plays on special sure. teams. You know, when are the giants going to start at the opponent's 35 yard line with a 30 yard punt return? Yeah. You know, the, those are things. All right. Uh, give the website again as we wrap it up here. Well, it's shop.giants.com. It's it's fanatics. If you go to fanatics.com and go to giant, type in Giants Legacy, you'll see all the Giants gear, but you'll see the legacy, the starter legacy collection. You froze. Okay. Well, Carl, I mean, listen, we, we showed the pictures next week. We're going to show, uh, next week we're going to show the, the London stuff when you're available, when you're Ooh. allowed to release it, which is hot. And yeah. I know people are fired up about that. And I want to give a big thanks to, uh, uh, the people here down in, uh, Ponte Vedra at the link USA for accommodating me with their studio space today. So how do we end it, Carl? Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to pray for the folks in Florida where you are because there was a lot going on. But tell a friend to tell a friend that Banks, Papa, Papa Banks, believe in Giants. Believe in Giants and order that legacy gear. Enjoy the game, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.